Alright, what's up? Uh, welcome back to It's a Cook Time Podcast. We got a special edition. Uh, I got a bunch of my, my boys in town uh, for my bachelor party. We're going to record and do a bunch of different subjects here across the NBA. So we've got Colin here. Hey. Thornton. How's it going? Omar. What up? Tom. What's going on? And then you know me, the host, uh, Brooks. Uh, so uh, the first thing we're going to do is just going to jump in and talk about the top half of the Eastern Conference uh, so far this season. It's been pretty good to start. Uh, Toronto's 8-1 and one at the top. Milwaukee 7-1, half a game behind. Boston 6-2 and two at, in uh, third, and they just beat Milwaukee this se- uh, earlier this week. Indiana at 6-3 and three in fourth. Uh, and uh, Philly at 6-4 and four after beating Detroit actually earlier today because we're recording uh, Saturday early evening. Uh, when we look at the advanced numbers, though, Milwaukee actually tops out. They've got a better net rating uh, than Toronto. Uh, they're number two uh, offensively, number three defensively. But uh, we can just start with Toronto and Milwaukee. Um, what do you guys think? Who's better? Who's doing well? I know Omar's got some hot stuff about Toronto, so why don't you jump in? No, I have no hot stuff. I just think, uh, like you said, you had some di- doubts about Kawhi before the season started. And, I did, I did. And those doubts were unfounded because they're playing incredible. Uh, I don't think they they were unfounded. I was just I was worried about him being injured. And Do you think Kawhi looks like he's injured? He, he looks a lot better than I expected. He does. He looks less injured than I expected, but he's still not he's, playing back to back. So bro, there's still got to be something there. He's making no look steals. Yeah, that was an incredible play. He got his eye poked out and had an assist. Yeah, like no, he's playing amazing. He's, he's, he's making these superhuman. He has looked better really than I, he has looked better than I expected, but at the same time. He, he's not playing back-to-back, so there's still some remnant injury stuff there that you got to hope he gets over. For sure, and, I, and I, I don't think that hurts the Raptors that much at all. Like you said, they only have one loss. Yeah, so, exactly. I mean, I think, I think it's, it's a part of just managing those injuries and making sure, like, down, down the season that he's available. Yeah, no, I think I actually think even if he's one hundred percent healthy right now, that having him rest back to backs for a while now is probably a good idea. Like even if he rests back to back the entire season, as long as you're like top two, three in the East, it doesn't matter. And I'd rather have him fully healthy in the playoffs than than risk an injury in a back to back. And I also think this is a concentrated effort by Nurse and Masai just to like build that rapport with Kawhi. Just mm-hmm. hey, like yeah. build that trust up. And obviously, they want him to stick around after the season, so yeah, that's part of it. Well, and Omar, you made the point last night too when we were chatting about this. Uh, he looks happier than he's ever looked, even when he was winning championships in San Antonio. Yeah, I think Thorne said it's the first time you've ever seen him smile. We all heard the creepy laugh. He doesn't smile, man. <laughs> hey, man, maybe maybe Toronto's growing on him. We'll just see what happens when it's negative degrees up there. But yeah, and, and so you like. Giannis and the, and the yeah, well, I mean, so before Thursday, they were undefeated. They were top of the Eastern Conference. They're still better when you look at the analytics, but obviously that's not everything. I felt like um, Thursday night was just kind of like the type of game that like Boston would win and Milwaukee would drop. Like I think Milwaukee was in a position to win that game. They blew it down the end. Giannis made some bad plays. The team, I think, did not uh, manage the clock well with going for the quick two too much and missing free throws and stuff like that. But They've obviously figured it out offensive-wise, and Bud's kind of unlocked them. So I think they're a worthy challenger for Toronto, and really the crown's for anyone to take. Well, so here's my thing with uh, that Boston-Milwaukee matchup that that kind of got revealed with that was Milwaukee can't just drop off of pick and rolls against teams that have a five who can hit threes like Horford yeah. because he's going he's gonna to pull up and take mm-hmm. those. Well, so, yeah. well, yeah, I mean, in general, that's the, that's the trouble with the drop coverage is you can't can't drop against fives that can shoot because then you got to get into rotations anyway and the drop in general is designed to avoid the rotations but 
I mean, every team has that trouble unless you're going to switch everything, and then that that's got. I mean, that also it, it can roll a lose lose. It's accepting what it's accepting your weakness wherever you want to take it. And so, do you think you think that it would be better for them to adjust then against what say? I mean, Boston specifically is the is the team with the shooting big. Right, and they shot lights out from three as well. well like, yeah, and I don't I don't expect them to shoot lights out every Boston time. Boston has a tendency to do that. I think Marcus Morris was shot five of eight. Yeah, something crazy yeah. like that. And no, I don't think you that's could probably an anomaly. But but Boston seems to in these big games they always seem to just come. Other than Game Seven of the Eastern Conference Finals last year, when it comes to a big game, especially in the regular season, they just happen to be knocking their stuff down. Their their role players step up and hit all their threes when they need them to, and a lot of them were contested threes as well. I saw. I think I also saw something that's like so far through the season, Boston's opponents are shooting like 27% on wide open threes, and that's not going to continue. Uh, it'll come up a little bit. In the past couple of years, they've had it as a lower number in the league, but it will come up somewhat. And right. you know, if Milwaukee hits one more three, and you know, it's a different game. So right. I just, so my only thing is, I think Horford's the best player on the Celtics, and you can't let him dictate the game. So mm-hmm. as much as you can have the his hands off the game, I think the better chances for Milwaukee. Yeah, I mean, Horford brings something to the Celtics that, like, a lot of teams... Identity. Uh, He brings identity to the Celtics. I would not say he's the best player on the team, but I I will give... I can't give you that. Is he the most consistent then, Horford? Yes. As far as what Omar's argument last night, as far as... Or whoever said it, um, they spoke and said that Al Horford's always going to be in the right place. Mm -hmm. Um, You can't, you know, you can't put him out of place, you know. Boys are yeah, exactly. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna frustrate you. He's gonna be in your face. He's gonna play great defense. He's not gonna, you know, try to foul you or anything like that. He's just gonna be in position all day long, mm-hmm. and that's one of those things that, for a hard player, I think that's that's definitely a huge um, identity to have on your team. A guy that is a veteran, a veteran knows how to show the youth, and especially with a team like that has so much youth in it. I mean, I'd definitely say he has an important veteran role to teach, but I wouldn't necessarily say he's the best. You could say he's one of the most important players on the team, but okay, well, best as in skill. Yeah, well, I mean, what is the box plus minus? Sir? I mean, Ooh. so best as best as in skill is a, is, a, is an entirely different animal because I mean, right. I think right. most people would make the argument that Kawhi, or Kyrie is the most skilled player on the Celtics, but is he the best and most skilled are two completely different things? I think right. that's a different argument. That's and, and I. Go ahead. I was just saying, Horford's one of those. Rare beasts too, who fit, fit in in the old NBA, yeah, and actually is better in the new NBA, yeah. Uh, and he, I mean, he's been in the league long enough where he's seen the transition. Uh, but I mean, it, it's yeah. Horford does have the best box plus minus of the consistent players. So I mean, okay. but it, it's, his lead is less than I would expect. He's at four point seven according to Basketball Reference. Kyrie's at three point eight. Then you got Aaron Baines at three, and then from there it's like two and lower. So can you humor me? Who is their non-consistent? Oh, Robert Williams is at 15 points. Well, he just got oh, sent to the G League. He's played 12 he's, he got sent, He just got sent And he's now playing in their D League team, yeah. or G League team yeah. today. So, like, he's obviously not playing consistently, but he does have a high number because of his, his, his low play. Um, yeah, the thing, the thing with Boston is it's like a weird kind of dynamic between Tatum and Gordon Hayward for me. It's like because mm-hmm. Tatum kind of took over last season when Hayward was supposed to be there and essentially played the same role that. Hayward did last, or sorry, I think he gives you one Hayward. Yeah, Tatum does. Yeah, yeah. But, juice. yeah. but it was yeah. like Hayward was going off against the Bucks, and then Tatum had like what eight points. Yeah. yeah. Well, he didn't shoot the ball much. I mean, yeah. he took six shots. So it's like it's going to be hard to distribute exactly. those shots. Well, like, and, and I think what we're seeing a little bit with Tatum is we're obviously seeing a lot of what he brought last year, but I've seen questions about is his skill and his creation ability limited to creating a shot for himself. He doesn't create as much for others as much, and that right. could run into an issue for them. 
But on, on the topic of Hayward, like how do you think he's looked so far this season? He's averaging 11 a game in about 25 minutes a game. He's shooting 40% from three, but only 44% from inside the two. So I don't slow. think he looks right, but he doesn't look, he yeah. doesn't look the same. And he looks tentative. Which, yeah. And these are all like acceptable things to look after coming off oh, yeah. a horrific injury. But like, especially that first night, uh, that first game back against the Sixers, it was like, that's Gordon Hayward. Yeah. I, I mean, it looked like it looked like some dude they pulled off the street of Boston. Uh, or some yeah, guy, or some guy we've seen at the Emory Gym today. Yeah, like, exactly. And, and I've seen him at 24 on, on Thursday. Yeah. Uh, he had a huge game on Thursday, turned the clock back a little bit. He has not, he has not looked great. Yeah. So, I mean, another team up the top, this uh, Philadelphia, so they're up to 6-4, and four, but they've won all their games at home, lost all their games in a row. As a Sixers fan, how happy are you so far with I mean, I, I, I think they've, they've won the games they're supposed to, and they've lost the games they're supposed to. I, I will say two of those losses are against Milwaukee and Toronto uh, on the road on the second night of a back-to-back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, when you look at that schedule at the beginning of the season, you almost pencil in those losses. Right? Yeah, so, yeah. you know, to be sitting at 6-4, and four, I, I think is solid. Uh, JoJo had some, some big talk early in the early in the year here about uh, putting together an MVP-type season, and he's uh, certainly done his best yeah, to I mean, put that together. He's sitting uh, 28, 12, and 12. Hell right. I think the big thing, though, with the Sixers, and, and you saw that uh, in the Boston series in the playoffs last year, is uh, they just get lost defensively sometimes. Mm-hmm. And Omar brought up uh, the perils of switch everything. And yeah. they switch everything. And, and, and in both the Toronto game and the Milwaukee game, um, when Kawhi or Giannis got uh, Roko switched off of them, uh, they just went. They went to town. Well, yeah, and you could also see where the switch everything goes wrong because you know their th- three of their losses are to Toronto, Boston, Milwaukee, the teams ahead of them in the in the standings. The only other loss was in OT to Detroit, and on that one, the final play, they botched a switch, and they also had um, Amir Johnson in on the play that he should not have been in defensively, and he, he fucked the switch up, and and that's what got him in trouble. And so, you, I mean, I, given their personnel, I wouldn't expect them to switch that much, but they they seem to be inclined to do it. So yeah, I just think that's a a breakdown. Philosophy. Yeah, uh, and, and and I we've talked at length about the the merits of the different defensive systems. Yeah, but uh, I, I'd rather they do that just because of the personnel they have with you know having a six ten point guard, mm-hmm. having a seven foot two giant point guard, yeah. one through five situationally, uh, it makes sense. But uh, it's still can be frustrating to watch. Yeah, no, I I agree. And, and you know, in, in situations like that, when you should have bottled up that Detroit game easy, and they kind of just let it slip, but they did get their revenge today. The, the least talked about team, obviously, in this top five is the Pacers. I mean, they're, they're looking about where they were last year. They're seventh in, def- in offense, ninth in defense. Oladipo's having a good year again. He's got 22, seven, and four and a half with a, two steals a game, basically. But, like, after him, you know, he's, he's averaging 22 after him. The rest of the team is 13, 13, 12, 10, 10. Uh, is, the, is, the, is the balance good, or but is the lack of the second star going to hold them back? As the season progresses, I think you saw that. You saw that in the playoffs yeah. last year, right? They they lost to a terrible Cavs team. Yeah. Because once the Cavs figured out how to stop Oladipo, no one was able to do anything. Uh, and well, well, you're hoping Miles Turner can take that next step. Well, yeah. That was the entire can be that that secondary ball handler creator person, but I still think they're going to need to go get someone, even if it's like a you know Mike Whiteman and the, the Lou Williams mold, uh, but just someone who can get hot and take pressure off Oladipo in a seven game series. Yeah, score. They need a bucket. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Oladipo can consistently get it there, but he obviously needs a secondary person. On the topic of, of Miles Turner, Turner, Turner starts, plays five more minutes a game in DeMontis Sabonis, but, you know, averages two less points, four less rebounds. 
he just signed this big contract that these early season numbers worrisome for Miles Turner. Yeah, no, I, I, like I said, you guys can. Like I said, you definitely want you wanted after he got in shape, you threw those IG pictures up. All right, bro, you look at swole, but like, let's see what you're gonna do on the basketball court, and it hasn't translated yet. So, would there, would there be any situation where like if you were in the coaching position, you think flipping him and starting Demontis at the five and bringing Miles off the bench? Or it's hard to say within like the first ten games. Just oh yeah, I mean we don't want to overreact. Right, and and plus like, like you said, he just got that contract, so you kind of. Want him to play for it, so. But give him a chance to prove. Himself. Exactly, give him a chance to prove himself. We do love Mason Demontis sometimes. Yeah, he's got a great old school game. Obviously, he learned a lot from his dad. I think a lot of people are sleeping on him as well too. He's really. I mean, granted, Indiana's not getting a lot of airtime now, anyways. But um, I think they're going to be one of those teams this year that could surprise a lot of teams in the East. Mm-hmm. Like they are one of the teams. If you, they're very slept on. But if you really look at their roster, how they play, just in general, they're they're one of those tough teams. That's a, they're a hard fighting team in general. Um, you know, they're not going to give up. They're going to fight you to the end. Kind of how it's kind of been a pacer way, honestly. You know? Yeah. Ever since very, LeBron yeah. was with the Heat, like it, it's been. A, they've always had like a hard nosed team that's always going to never give up. They're going to keep fighting you to the end. That's, that's their identity, you're saying? That is their identity. Yeah, they, they have that identity. They definitely got that like rough and tumble nature, and they're going to come and bring it every night, kind of like what the Jazz do on the Western side. Of what the Grizzlies used to have. I mean, well, the Grizzlies <laughs> yeah, still, still have it. I mean, yeah. we're going to talk about a couple Western Conference teams. Bring the Grizzlies are going to be one of them. The Grizzlies are five and two. You know, they're, they they boast uh, the number two defense in the league. They beat the Jazz recently. Yeah, they beat the Jazz recently pretty easily. They're they're looking Conley and Gasol are looking healthy and well. Jerry Jackson has looked fine as a rookie, so it's so nice seeing like Conley and Marcus all back on basketball. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I think missing playing well. Yeah, not having them last year, I think, makes pe- make people not realize like the talent that they do have, and you just don't see them throughout. And after that, the roster can be thin. But you just know. just going back to the Pacers for a second, yeah. I think Milwaukee jumping them is like a big story. Yeah, like like I said. On the, on the prior podcast when we were doing Eastern predictions, they did that Milwaukee jump. Indiana, Milwaukee's now jumped. Both Indiana and Boston and, and Boston and Philadelphia early on. Yeah. Let's see if that keeps up. But I, I think they're definitely going to be better than Indiana moving forward. Yeah. So that's that's where it hurts the Pacers. Mm-hmm. But yeah, going back to the Grizzlies. Yeah, but the Grizzlies they've looked good. Is this something you think keeps up, um, or is it just some early season luck? We've definitely seen teams in the past couple of years start off extremely hot and then just return to normalcy as we saw with the Magic last year. They start off shooting hot and then fell to pieces and by the end of the season was in the lottery once again. But I mean, Grizzlies look pretty good, at least defensively. They got best turnover rate on defense. They, you know, keep, you know, second best points per possession. They're, they're solid defensively. And Mike Conley and uh, Gasol are looking like they, they, they have in the past. Well, I think we've seen them do this before. So that's where I think there's a little bit, there's a potential for more staying power than, than the Magic last year. We've never seen Aaron Gordon. Over yeah, thirty-five percent from yeah. the and score forty-four points. In yeah, games. right. But we've seen Marcus Hall and Mike Conley carry an okay Grizzlies team to a you know a five, six, seven seed yeah. in the West. Uh, so, I, so I definitely think there's a potential. And I think uh, Garrett Temple's looking like an underrated pickup right now. Love he, Garrett Temple. He's really Love yeah, him. he's got it. He's a solid role player. He, he, he brings it every night, which is good. Also, shout out Mike Henry, uh, the Paul grad. Yeah. Oh, but Kyle Anderson is kind of underperformed though. Yeah. That, that pickup. No, Kyle has really not looked good. And who, who, someone else who hasn't looked good at all is Chandler Parsons. Is he just, he's done? He got his big contract. He's, yeah, he's, he's got to come into his eyes and he's, he's done. Yeah, he's a I mean, it, it's kind of tough. I mean, he's, he's had so many He broke his foot, right? Yeah, I mean, he yeah. tore some stuff up in his knee and, you know, 
That'll do it. That was a bad contract, though. I mean, yeah, he's only played in three games, and it's, it's three games he's played 15 minutes a game. Like, he's, he's just not, it's just not what he was. He's like the eighth, ninth guy. Oh, yeah. Maybe lower than that. Well, that I, I believe his game, his game has definitely been altered by injuries. As yeah. far as, like, he hasn't necessarily found the new ways to kind of readjust yourself with trusting your body. Because after injuries, as we spoke on uh, a while ago, injuries, even with quiets, it's all about how you come back. Um, that was the one thing we spoke on the last po- podcast, of, and those were the, your biggest fuels, is how yeah. injuries feel, how you can trust your body, how all of that runs into play. If you can't necessarily trust your body to... That's part of the reason probably with Gordon as well. Like, you know, with all of these, it's a psychological... Yeah, psychological is definitely... Big thing play. Yeah, so that's one of the psychological walls as a player you have to get through. If you can't get through it, it's it's one of those things. Like, for instance, we saw it this past week with D. Rose getting past that psychological block that he still is able to play at a high level without, you know, all of his flash that he used to have that we all were so used to, but he can still get it at 50. You know, it, it's simple things like that, and I think that was his main problem is that Chandler Parsons is a great talent, and we've, we've all seen him play, but as far as like we were saying, those injuries definitely has, has inhabited his mental health as well with just trusting his body and being able to play a different the game he knows how to play. I mean, we're now, what, four years? Yeah. Since since he was an impactful NBA player? Yeah, three? Yeah. 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 But that last time he was impactful was Rockets. Yeah, yeah Rockets. Yeah. 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 He got traded to the Mavs. Yeah, and this yeah. is the first time he's like gotten significant playing time at all with the Grizzlies, and it's just... I mean, it's sad to see, but it's just kind of like a result. And I think I think part of that kind of shines a light is after Conley Gasol, you got Garrett Temple, Jared Jackson. I mean, Jermichael Green's injured right now, but like outside of your top set, set of guys, there's there's not a ton of depth. You know, Omer Caskey's a solid uh, role guy. Selvin Mack contributes. Selvin Mack is good. Wayne Selvin has been good so far this year, but then you got you know Dylan Brooks, the rookie. Kyle Anderson doesn't look like he did in San Antonio at all. Yeah. He's looking like a system guy, and so like is it will depth hurt them? He's looking funny in the light for yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah, depth might hurt them moving forward, but I mean, as long as you as long as you have Conley and Gasol healthy, those are kind of their cornerstones. And like can they stay healthy? That that's right. That's the right thing. And they're both getting up there, yeah. and obviously there's going to be you know time management that uh, yeah. is going to have to happen. But their chem- their chemistry and timing looks great. Oh so, yeah, well for sure. And they're still working. Yeah, still working. They're on they're on a string. Right. But yeah, I mean the the age thing is. I mean Gasol's thirty four, Conley's thirty one, Garrett Temple, who's been their third best player, is thirty two. And then after that, you got a bunch of youth and like Jaron Jackson and, and, and Mack and Jermichael Green are, are younger, but you know your three best players are all old. But I think this is a good example of a team still being relevant while kind of rebuilding too. Like yeah, a good absolutely. mixture of youth. Yeah, they're, they're kind of reshaping it as they go. Right? Plus, Jaron Jackson learning from Marcus Hall. It's, it's, it's huge. It's, it's huge. 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 Right. Like every team doesn't need to be a process team. Yeah. Like every team doesn't need to tank for. And, and it's arguable that the process likely wouldn't work in a, in a market like Memphis. Like, it was going to work in Philly because it's a big market. Everyone's still coming to 76ers games. Like, they still invested in the team. You know, Memphis, smaller market. There is revenue sharing, but, like, you're probably going to lose some of the fan base. Penny Hardaway's got the Memphis College team, which I know is pretty big there as well, coming up. And so, like, if they just, like, tanked and dealt Conley with Saul in the offseason, you know, they might just, like, they might get to a point where their team just gets moved, you know? Right. Seattle's constantly chomping at the bit for another team. They, they, they need a squad. Yeah, obviously, I think it's a... Seattle, Seattle's a sports city. Yeah. Sounds. And then the other second conference surprise team that we got going on is the Sacramento Kings. I mean, they're currently sitting, like, sixth in the standings. They're six and three. They've won five in a row. They're playing at a incredibly fast pace. Their young guys are playing well. Just 
just in the West though, I, I understand their pace and they're they're starting off high. But honestly, this is kind of how they started last year as well. And I think it becomes with I think it comes with one of the things that you kinda of notice as far as like game planning. Um, when you don't have a lot of necessarily footage on certain players and things like that, uh, you know, they've got a lot of guys playing more minutes now and doing different things that they didn't necessarily do last year. You got Buddy Hill attacking a lot more. You got um, they've got a lot of point guards too, which I don't like on that team. Having Yogi, Frank, and Deer, and that that's a little bit deaf. I mean, it's a great team, but um, overall, if you really if you really think about that team, how are they going to finish in the West? Is how I really have to think about it because that youth is going to play a huge part. Like they're great, they're running it, but like I can't see it actually. Sustaining oh, throughout yeah. the season. Yeah. Yeah. Not a chance. Not a chance that team comes anywhere close to 500. But yeah. they're playing a very fun brand of basketball, mm-hmm. uh, and you can definitely see what the, the future. Yeah, and it's it's exciting why they last. But yeah, their their handle their deeper analytics show their average offense literally 16th offensively, 14th defensively. So they're right in the middle of the league. They're just mm-hmm. kind of like overperforming their rating right now, and they kind of had an easier schedule. They've beaten up on the Magic and the Hawks of late. Um, but yeah. I definitely think with the youth we'll kind of see them fade, but it's fun to see these young guys kind of putting yeah. it together. At least a Marvin Bagley's looked better than I expected him to, but his defensive woes are still there, which is what I was worried about. But I like seeing De'Aaron kind of take a step up. I think he's got what it takes. He's a star. He's a great talent. Great talent. And, and we killed Vivek for trading for Buddy Hield, but I mean, like this isn't yeah. this isn't kind of a redemption moment, but he's at least played well to start the season. And to your point, even though they have a lot of guards. They know who their best two guards are. Right? Yeah. They know it's Sniper and they know it's Buddy Hill. So, and then they got Bielitsa coming on too. So yeah, Bielitsa. Yeah. That was a big pickup, um, getting him away from the 76ers. That was some shifty. Yeah, shifty deal making. Some shifty backroom deals going on there. Yeah. There was, there was. Um, I mean, Willie Collins Stein's also playing well on a contract here. Who would have thought? But there was also big talk about Harry Giles in the offseason. He has not looked good. Like he looked great in. Summer league, great in the preseason. It looked like he was back in those injuries, and he has not looked great while he's on the floor, which is, I think it's a little bit of a sad turn, but it's, inc- it's kind of crazy to see, like, this guy was supposed to be breakout for them doing relative, basically nothing, and them still being pretty successful to start the season. Well, well there's kind of a log jam. At- oh, well, yeah, 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 way too many days. I mean, you would, they need to, like, thin out their big lineup, but, I mean. Is Scott Lovie Sierra still there? He is. He plays about five minutes a game in the four games he's played in. Him and Ben McLemore, right much. Benny Mack is uh, it's not That's good. one that didn't pan out. No, no, no. Which is crazy. But yeah, I mean, you're kind of right in the point is Vivek, Vivek is getting a little bit of a redemption. I mean, he did get killed for the DeMarcus Cousins trade when it happened, but it was clear that they didn't want him there, he didn't want to be there, and so they moved him. And it was an ample divorce. divorce, and they got uh, a useful piece out of it. Yeah, and yeah. so... They probably could have gotten a little bit more, but... but uh, so Vivek thinking Buddy Hield was the next step is obviously, you know, hyperbole. Yeah. But, I mean, he's, he's, he's looked like he's... He's been a side. Developed some chemistry yeah, along with Aaron Fox. So. And he's shooting, I mean, he's shooting 49% from three to start the season. Like, that's obviously going to come down, but it's good to see him starting off pretty hot. I think he's just starting... I think Buddy just actually started to finally play. I feel like when he came in, he was trying to be like a great shooter like he was in college and kind of play that role and I really feel like he had to take a couple of years to find find his identity as a player to see how you know just how his injuries and everything goes as far as that goes but I feel like he really is doing a lot more than he's ever done like I've seen him you know attacking the rim a lot more this year than really 
before you'd see him try to work his way into the shot. Well, yeah, and I think Buddy had a situation where he lit up the tournament, had this huge, great season, senior season, and he came with all these expectations to just kind of be this lightning round scorer. And I, I, I think him falling flat on those expectations was a pretty safe bet to make. But he's still a good player underneath mm -hmm. it all. He's sure. just got to got to have to get kind of figure it out. Whereas like, oh, it's almost kind of good for Trey Young that he had that like bad end of the season because his expectations got deflated a little bit and now he can figure his stuff out in Atlanta for a couple of years because they're going to be bad and not be worried about getting crushed as a bust because like you know he's playing fine right now he's not playing amazing but he's figuring it out and he's getting in, he's getting himself set in the lead whereas Buddy didn't really have that because of the situation and, then so with and then the trade happened and it's like oh you got to be the savior now you got traded for an all-star and it's right. like well, he wasn't ready for that but He's got a star next to him who's, who brings that intensity and that fire and probably brings Buddy up a little bit and then they go out and do their thing. It's, it's working for now, so. Definitely see how that pans out throughout the year. But, yeah. You know, I think that's probably one of those deals where we kind of look at, we see how they're hot start. We don't pan them in for this year, but we pan them in for the future. Well, yeah, I don't think they'll be able to. They'll win 37 games. Yeah, I think they'll probably beat their over. Yeah. But, like, after that, I don't know how much higher they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna rise above that, obviously. Um, but yeah, so that's a couple uh, teams to hit, and then we wanted to do the last fun thing we we're gonna do is a fun hypothetical. It's been going around Twitter lately. Um, given the idea that Steph Curry will finish his career as the best shooter of all time, what is the lowest he can rank on the NBA all-time list? Given that, given that fact, we're kind of we're just gonna go back and forth about it for a couple minutes. I definitely am on board with. I think if he continues the way he plays now, finishes as the best shooter, maybe adds a ring or two more, another MVP or two, probably gonna finish top five all time to go along with LeBron, MJ, uh, Russell, Kareem, and maybe dethrones Magic there at, at number five. What do you guys think? Does anyone not agree I that he'll finish top five? I think we're all gonna agree with the top five just because a shooter's uh, a shooter's life expectancy in the NFL. I mean, in the NBA is a lot longer. Um, as you see people like Kyle Korver, people like Ray Allen, there's always going to be a place for them on the roster. Um, and you're talking about the greatest shooter of all time right now, so or will be statistically soon. Um, but thinking about it, I, I see, I'm not looking at Steph right now, because it, it's crazy to me because he's only been in the league for eight years, or not, I want to say eight or nine years, and that, I, that, was, that shook me when I read that. But to think about what Steph is going to be in year 15, 16, where he takes on more of that uh, six-man role, where he's going to be shooting lights out for a team, I'm really interested to see him in that role as far as the ending of his career because I feel like that will be a very pivotal part as far as he's going to be – he's not going to be the number one on a team anymore. He's going to be the, the asset to a team that helps them go above. I feel like people are going to be scratching, clawing to get this man to come out of retirement, to do all sorts of things. And I think that's going to be really cool to see. Do you think the second stage of his career is going to build a ton more to his legacy than, yes. like, say, like the second stage of some other guys' career yeah, because it's, of his longevity? Yeah, it's going to turn into just shooting like Ray Allen. Yeah, exactly. I was going to bring up Ray Allen. I think that's probably a good representation of who he could become late in his career. But for him to be top five for me, he has to get another MVP, I think, and I think he could win it this season. And he's certainly been amazing. Yeah, he's averaging 33, 6, and 5, and he's shooting. What 50. is his three point numbers? He's making 5.9 threes a game and shooting 51%. So it's absurd. Yeah, like it's he's going to create, if he's on pace to create the 50 50 90 club. Like right. no one's ever done that before, and that's incredible when you think about it.
Man, when, when you think about Steph, in terms of like his legacy, he gets a lot of the credit for changing the complexion of the league. Yeah. So like whenever Dame's like pulling from 35 plus, it's like, oh, this is what Steph Curry did. Even though it might have been some players before him that that had done it, uh, Gilbertinus. But I mean, he's gonna get the credit in the end because he did it at a higher level. Than well, yeah. And if, you, if you think about a lot of the top five we have now, or the top five he would join all time, you have guys that have changed the league with what Jordan did, and and just kind of the individual scoring and just the team, the team dominance. You've got what LeBron has done and is doing. Bill Russell obviously changed the game defensively. Kareem and his longevity was incredible. And then we've got Steph, who's just like making shooting the skill to have. I mean, because. Skill is the end-all, be-all, and the way he changes the geometry of the court is just unseen up until now. It's all about space when it comes down to it. I don't know. What are you trying to say by that? What? It's all about I mean, I just think it's offensive to Steph Curry that he still gets Ray Allen comparisons because he's blown him away in every single aspect. Well, he's a better jerk. It's not even close. What do you mean? He's, a, he's, he's not just a better jerk. He's a better shooter. Well, I'm saying, I'm saying. He's right a two-time MVP and a three-time champion. He's been the best player on two of those teams already, and they're not done yet. But when we talk about shooters in in the league, you have. He's to a scorer, though. He's, he's a scorer. Calling him a shooter is annoying. It's the only person that compares to him, though. That's a it's great. Not, it's, not close. it's not close. It's it's like a young Ray Allen who could dunk, but then they don't even it's compare the, each other. It's like you just put Ray Allen and Steve and, and Nash together, that, and you get you get Steph Curry. Yeah, I mean, do you do you really think that if you put Ray Allen in today's NBA, he'd be as good as Steph Curry? Oh, he would take a lot more threes. I think Ray Allen. I think Ray Allen's game would probably look closer to what we see from Clay Thompson. Yeah, no. which is still he's a better. That's still the less good player than Steph Curry on the Warriors. Yeah. Ten years. Yeah, but, but was like late in late in his career, he'd probably mimic what Ray did. I, mean, yeah, I, I think, I think like he'd be a good shooter for a championship team. Yeah, I so it, when he's when he's Not just him. collecting checks, as if he actually has to do that because I mean, yeah. he's a big enough brand on his own. He doesn't need to do that his whole right. life. But like he is still a dominant player and is the best. I mean, you know, say what you will about Durant, they're probably. 1A, 1B on that team. But, I mean, this year, probably the best player on the best team in the NBA and the best team of the 2010s. And not just the best team of the 2010s, but, like, a dominant team of the 2010s. Yeah, and I certainly think even the argument when they they didn't win it in in, in 2016 against the Cavs, they didn't win it because Steph wasn't 100%. Right. I think that's a pretty clear thing. Yeah. Steph's 100%. He's he's killing Kevin Love in the the infamous one-on-one thing. They win that series. But, like, he's rarely been 100 in the finals, though. Well, yeah. I mean, that's, a that's, nature, the one that's, that's the nature of eighty-two game beef. Plus, I mean, that's but like that's a how, like that's a ridiculous now. Like the small sample size of that, <laughs> well, it's, it's just it's absolutely. Absurd. Well, and what's even more, like there's a plenty of players that we didn't get to see their best of because of health concerns, such as I mean, T Mac, Vince Carter <laughs> come to mind quickly, but like even with Greg similar, not similar, but still injury problems, like Steph has still won. Two MVPs and is a three-time champion, so he is he's doing the most with bad circumstances. Like I don't think we know what to do with Steph as an all-time great. No, we have no idea because he's so in his own league, and it's weird too because he's also, you know, doing what he's doing at the same time as you know one of the best players to ever do it is also playing his prime. So it's it's weird. I, to add on to that, I, I respect Steph for who he is. I respect 
game for game, he's the greatest shooter of all time. He's going to be a fantastic player when it comes into it. Um, touching on what you said, Brooks, uh, about when you think about a player in general, about top five, top, you know, anything, you think about their impact on a game. Uh, look, it was Jordan's impact of making basketball like a – it was bringing basketball back because the 80s it was tough, it, it went quiet, and then Jordan kind of brought it back. Then it was more so LeBron kind of brought pace to the game. As far as like it went pace back from back into the Showtime days where you know it was a little fast and fast breaks were life. So position, position, yeah, position. position. Yeah. And then you say you can't when we think about you know you try to some people try to add Kobe. You can't really say Kobe tried anything different or changed the game. But one thing I can say about Steph, you know, despite uh, you know, and a lot of old school people don't like this. You've heard Popovich come out loud saying you know three point isn't real basketball stuff like that. Um, and I, I agree with it to a certain extent, but the way you really, I have to give credit to Steph is the fact that how he has evolutionized this game so much is that he's changing it at little kids nowadays. Now, which is a bad idea because, you know, growing up the way I coach, sometimes some of these kids, like, think they just can walk on the court, just start pulling deep threes. It's awful to see the game change like that. But, but, but at the same time, when they were looking up to Kobe, everyone was playing hero balls. So, right. I mean, it's, yeah. it yeah. comes with the... the yeah, it's a give and take. It's what you would prefer to be teaching your kids. And as long as you're like showing them the right thing to do. And that Steph's threes pull the defense in a different way so that the Warriors can get a ton of laps and dunks. Like, Damian Jones would not be scoring like eight points a game. It's played too. So one thing, one thing we, we definitely cringed over here when Colin said, uh, given Steph's circumstances... I didn't see Steph's name very much at all before you saw him have a couple good games on the Warriors. He kind of ran Monte Ellis out, um, you know, once they finally committed to him. But if you honestly sit there and say that Steph was this Steph right now MVP calendar, which is part of your, your trip journey in the game. You have to learn that yourself as a player. And, you know, but... He's gotten great, and he's always been a good shooter, great shooter, whatever. But to say, does he reach this area of his career with, I'm, I'm saying the MVPs, the championships, with his talent. Does he reach the same place without the help that he's had? He won two MVPs without without him. So like, but Kevin, but he still had Clay. But every every MVP has got good players on the team. Like the only Kobe Bryant played with Shaquille O'Neal. I do. I'm just thinking. Like you can make an argument about every great NBA player. Like would you know would LeBron do what he? I mean, like the the I think there's a valid argument. It's like would the Bulls have won championships if Pippen had been drafted somewhere else? Then you can make an argument that they wouldn't. All right, but it's just funny how we talk about these things too because. You get the opposite sides of the spectrum with LeBron and Curry because you undervalue Curry because his team's been so good. It's like, oh, what would he actually be on his own? But with LeBron, he always gets to kind of go back on his, oh, look at these terrible teams he's carried to where he's been, and then he can kind of use that as, I, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fair Who is, who is Steph Curry? I, I'm not talking about Steph. That's oh, what I'm saying. Oh, but yeah, okay. I'm so saying, I'm saying, saying that about LeBron. Yeah, 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 I get that, yeah. I'm saying, yeah. It'll be easier conference, but... <laughs> you can make the argument that Steph, like, yeah, Steph maybe hasn't carried anybody, but, like, why, why should that be a hit on him? Whereas, like, the, the culture that they built, not only were they able to extreme, like, reach the greatest heights with him, Clay, and Draymond figuring it out, but then they also encouraged another superstar to come play with them because of rim chasing is, is what most people say, and, like, Kevin has his own reasons that we may not ever know, but, like, 
that culture was clearly inviting to him, and so like. I mean, Katie's won final MVP twice. Wherever well, yeah, he's, he's, he's been, down, he's he's been dominant score. in he, the finals. I tell you, he carried the game, game, championships. Game three, when Clay and Steph shit the bed, Katie. He was always there to take the air out. He was always there to take the air out no matter what. So I think I think I think the biggest that that kind of turns into the biggest knock argument you could make on Steph is maybe given his build, his slight, his play style, that when he has more of a, 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 a like perchance or he's like more possible for him to go cold and kind of get put off his game a little bit by a hyper physical defender or just a cold night, whereas like. KD's giftedness as a score, score plus his size lets him to affect the game in different ways, even if he maybe his, his shot isn't hitting. Because he can, he can, you know, get rebounds, he can defend the rim, he can do all that. And and he can get to the bucket with ease. But Steph is really crafty on the right. Oh, yeah. Steph's finishing and handling is ridiculous. He's a great passer. People sleep on his passing. I mean. Because he doesn't do it often. Yeah. That's because he has a lot of all-stars also passing the ball. Yeah, it's, it's tricky. It's, tricky. it's, tricky. it's, tricky. it's tricky. I mean, it's pretty easy when you throw a ball over to a guy who's wide open in the corner for a three. He's a specialized three-point shooter. That's because of talent, but also because of the offense. They're also because of the curve. It is easy to knock Steph Curry for circumstances that are out, you know, outside his control. Yeah. Like he, you know, yeah, he ended definitely. up in a I, I, I also don't think it's fair to, like, hit him because of the system they run or how they run their play. The stuff that, like a lot of teams try to do this like similar offensive stuff that they do and they can't run it right. Yes, because of personnel, but also you have teams like LeBron's teams have never tried to run anything like they run. Like Jordan's, um, they do run triangle concepts in their stuff, but like what they get open, they do it because of how they run it and are committed to running it correctly. And and they just they force you to make multiple choices of, of taking the and then just like we're gonna punish you in any way. And if more teams did that, we would see more guys go off. I mean, no one has that skill, but. Okay, I I will. I guess I should probably speak on why I don't. I'm not that big of a fan of Steph. I, I respect his game. I respect his talent. If he goes down as one of the top five, I will respect him as that. The reason I don't necessarily um, take his talent as a hundred percent all of his is because of the situation he was born into. Yeah. Um. People. A lot of people don't know about Steph's past life is that this kid had a personal shooting trainer at four years old. This man is shooting on NBA, he's shooting on NBA hoops with his dad, of course, you know, in Charlotte. Um, but you know, he had a personal shooting coach at three, four years old. Um, muscle memory at four years old, can you imagine doing something for eight, for 14 years and then going and perfecting it? Like your muscle memory, there's a reason why his shot is the way it is. Like there's a reason. Now you 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 go out there, you practice your shot, you do things as an athlete. Um, I'm not knocking him for this situation, but I am saying that hey, if we gave LeBron James a family at two three years old and gave him a dad with the household, who are we really seeing? Well, that, that's that's a fair point, but like you also have to think about the fact that Steph's brother is not nearly the player Steph is. Well, I really think his brother could be better. At times, be that, be is better than Steph. that is the hottest so, thing. That's, 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 I'm telling you, it's that's spicy. way hot. It's very spicy. But spicy. I'm saying, I'm telling you. And, with and, the same training, I'm telling you. To, to Thornton's point, uh, when it comes to handles, a lot, a lot of people like that. The handles argument between Steph and Kyrie, and this is the only time I'll, I will favor Kyrie in that argument because Steph's handles look more mechanical. So he's and the they're second best ball handler. They're simple. Kyrie's The thing yeah. is, is really all I say is that Kyrie has a larger arsenal of moves that he will pull 
stabbed like the thing where he did the behind the back and then tw- twisted his left hand and pushed it back to the same side. Steph would never do something like that. Steph's going to keep it at an easy behind the back crossover, something like that. So, so my argument here, and I know this is going to go into a t- time of intention that we don't need to cover, but if you accomplish the same goal, why do you need that extra flash? If Steph can do his simpler version of what you just described that Kyrie does so often, but get to the same spot, get an open shot for him or his teammate and make the bucket, why does it matter what it looks like? If Steph's are just as functional, because the game's about change. The game's about changing. It's about evolutionizing. It's about changing. Doing, doing fancy sh- stuff that doesn't that. change. Like if Kyrie's but, stuff was like making him get to the basket like way more wide open than any other player, you have a you have an argument. But he still ends up taking contested step backs, just like Steph can take contested step backs. They still both get to the rim at a similar rate. Kyrie, what Kyrie's doing isn't making him much more effective at accomplishing his goal. It just looks nicer and is more highlighting, and that's why you're, you're hitting on him as being the better ball handler. He is. The f- no, I don't. <laughs> he's the better ball handler. He is the better ball handler. He is better. No, he is better. He is better. He has a larger arsenal of moves, bro. Okay. But the functionality is the same. So when you could describing it as better versus worse, they're, they're the same. But, they're okay, not, one's not but better you're better saying the better ball handler. So you're saying who's a better ball handler? Everyone can do a crossover, correct? But not everybody can do a whatever the I can't even name some of the stuff he does. But just for instance, not everyone can do a sham god like Russell pulled at the end of the game. You're not engaging with my part of the argument is I don't care what it looks like. It's about the it's about the result. But that's my point. He can't do it. It doesn't matter if Steph can't do a, a weird-ass sham god, but if he can get to the basket and get an easy lift, it doesn't matter what his dribble But that's what I'm telling. Like. It's not about the dribble combination at whole, and you're doing your job or it's getting the job done. They're both getting to the rack the same way. Exactly. But, so they're both just as good at handling the But ball. one person's going to hit you. If I'm st- guarding Steph, I have to guard Steph like this. I have to be like, okay, he's going to hit me like this. But if I'm guarding Kyrie, I have to be on – my head has to be on a swivel for something I've never seen before. That's what I'm trying to tell you. As a defender, you have to say a larger ball handler who has a capability of doing crazier things with the ball, I'm going to worry about him more than Steph. Because it's going to be harder to guard. I would argue that you are incorrect and you still are not missing. You're missing the core of my argument. Because it's all—it's a results-driven thing. It yeah, doesn't matter what I, it looks like. I, you care too much about what it looks like in the flash and dash. That's all you're focused on right now. I just think that it's not. That thing like the Omar, Omar's. And then all you did was talk. You tried to explain that it was not, but then proceeded to continue to talk about what it looks like and what you got to be looking for. Classic eye test versus. Yeah. 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 Yes, it, right. if you're just going east to west, it's not... And, and and Thornton likes the poetic nature of the game that yeah. Jordan brought, right? The things he did in the air, the moves he made, yeah, like he hang time, and I understand that. And, that, and that's, that's a part of the NBA team. I, that's I a agree. part of basketball. I agree, but I'm saying, I don't think you can you can say so much. And I'm not saying Kyrie's better than Seth. I'm, I'm just saying... No, I'm just no saying, way. No, there's no way. I'm saying... He has more weapons in his arsenal. Okay, I get the weapons in his arsenal. My argument would just be... Weapons in his arm, it's, it's all about how you finish and how you, the results you get. If, if These kids are in their bag. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. They're exactly. in their exactly. bag. That's, that's all I gotta say. say. Exactly. They're both in their bag, Kyrie has a deeper bag. That, that wins my argument for me because all you guys care about is the deeper bag and you don't care about what ends up, what's the ending play. No, but I, I just said Steph is 
a better player. There's only just, one saying, aspect of his game where I'm just saying when it comes to ball handling or ball control or whatever and making a move and, and ball control is different than ball and, and accomplishing the result that you're going for. They both accomplish the results at similar rates. But that's not they what we're asking. We're asking who is the better ball that, handler. Not getting to the rack, not getting to the shot. We're saying a ball handler. Like who has more moves, who has that's more not, That's everything. not the argument I'm making. Let's that's just say Kyrie and drop it. Yeah, I mean, we're not going to finish this argument. Well, first of all, I have already argued over this multiple times, years and years, and this conversation is never going to go anywhere. All right, so it never goes anywhere. It's not going to end up top five. We define what makes ball handling better differently, and that's fine. So we're never going to... We're never going to find an end to this argument. I'm just saying. That was a def- lot. That was a lot of buried context that the audience is unaware of. Yeah, we can, <laughs> we can agree to disagree, everyone. This is my brother, and I love him. Yeah. And we're going to continue to argue. Continue. But in the end, I think unless there's, I think we all kind of agree this stuff. We'll probably at the rate he's going, probably finish top five if he adds a couple more trophies. I think if he gets one more MVP, it's a no, it's a no brainer. Yeah, no brainer. I, I would agree as well. Yeah, I mean, 2019 market. I guess it just depends on how much space too. Because he's got his buddy, like, where does Durant fall into that too? Does he edge Curry out of the top five? I feel like I that's. I, I, I think, I that's, think Durant's that next move. That might be a topic for another Durant, day. I Durant's mean, next move. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess I'm just trying to think of who the five would be. So you lock in Jordan I, 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 and LeBron. I lock in Jordan, LeBron, and Kareem. And then you probably. And then I think the, argue, the argument for the last two spots is Russell, Magic, Steph eventually, and then depending on how Kevin Durant finishes out him as well. Okay. I would I would I would lean towards um, Russell and Steph as rounding out the top five, assuming Steph continues to rack up a couple more championships in every year or two. But Durant, the only thing that I would say about Durant, Durant has more to accomplish in the second half of his career than Steph. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point. Because I think Durant could finish as the all-time point scorer either. I, 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 yeah. If Durant brings the ring to New York, right, right. Well, yeah, that's, that's going to be a big move because he's already because he, he's has already made that statement. I think, like Tom said, to keep it simple, is like his next move after Golden State is going to make us say, "Who is Kevin Durant?" Because we were so Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and OKC. And then when it came to this, we're like, dude, screw this, man. We know how good you are. And now it's going to be like, okay, how good are you really? You yeah. went down. You came back up. Now you're on your own again. How good are you really? And he's already made his money. He's already made the point of he's going wherever he gets the most money. Yeah. yeah. So that's where it's going to be interesting. Then, yeah, to see, sure, I think. Sure. And he'll have, have three rings. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see how it all plays out. But. I think this was a good conversation, both on covering the league and talking a little bit about Steph. Got a little heated at times, but and by angles. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, we'll talk to you next week, and uh, everybody signing off. Thanks, guys, for participating and stuff. Yeah. Take it easy. And by Mute. Rate, review, and subscribe. Luca Mania. <laughs>